1: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Acts.
0: Real love is
2: calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Adam, the one who originally sinned, past original sin down through the seed of man so that every single one of us was born into sin. Every single one of us. We've inherited a sin nature from our father, Adam. All right? Paul says here, as in Adam, all die. As the result of sin, the human race will die. I mean, every single person in the human race will experience death. He says, so in Adam, we all die, but in Christ, we're made all alive.
1: What exciting news it is that for those of us who commit our lives to Jesus, we will rid ourselves of this decrepit, fleshly body and spend eternity with Him. In today's message, Pastor Gary will teach listeners how it was the fall of Adam in the garden that caused death to be a part of the human race. Death on this earth can be a scary reality for some, but for Christ-followers— we can rest in the hope found in Jesus. Have you made the decision to surrender your life to Him so you can spend eternity in heaven? At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Acts chapter 4 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection.
2: In Acts chapter 4 here, we're going to find another first in a list of several firsts through the book of Acts. Here's what I mean. The book of Acts is a book about firsts, first time of a lot of different things. And just to recap the first couple of chapters, chapter 1 was the first mention of the ascension of Jesus to heaven after he rose from the dead. Chapter 1 records how he then ascended into heaven, and he's going to come again in the same way that he went into heaven. Chapter 2 of Acts is the first time the Holy Spirit fell upon all believers, the 120 who were gathered in the upper room. The Holy Spirit has always been around, coexistent, co eternal with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was only poured out upon assignment. In the New Testament, you see the Holy Spirit poured out upon all flesh. Peter gets up and preaches to the, those who are hearing what is happening, and he connects Joel chapter 2 with what we have as Acts chapter 2. He says, this is not to be something surprising to you. This is what was fulfilled uh, by the prophet Joel. So um, the Holy Spirit then fell upon all believers. Last week, we looked into chapter 3, which is the first miracle of the early church. As Peter has this wonderful privilege of being used by the Lord uh, to to bring healing to, he's just the vessel, but he brings healing to this this man who was crippled from birth, the Bible says Uh, in chapter 4, it tells us that he was over 40 years of age, so he's never walked in his life, he's just is begging at the gate called Beautiful here, which is probably the Eastern Gate, the Golden Gate in Jerusalem, and as Peter and John walk by and they see this man begging, uh, Peter Uh, calls the man to look at him the man looks at him and and peter uh, tells him in verse uh, 6 of chapter 3 silver or gold i do not have but what i have i give you in the name of jesus christ of nazareth walk and so this wonderful miracle occurs where this this guy who had been crippled from birth is now able miraculously to walk and uh, when he does uh, quite a commotion breaks out there in the temple courtyard area, and all the people in, in chapter three tells us a bunch of people in the temple courtyards. The crowd begins to 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 come and to see because they're hearing all this commotion, and they come and they gather. So now there's this large crowd, and when there's this large captive crowd here, Peter takes advantage and he preaches the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He preaches the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to all the people who are wanting to know what's this miracle? This is incredible. And as a result of this scene, we have in chapter 4, what we're going to read tonight, the first opposition to the early church. We're going to see how Peter and John get hauled before the Jewish ruling council because of this miracle. And I don't think we'll have time to get there, but chapter 5 also has another first. It's the first death by divine judgment in the early church. It's kind of a happening chapter. It's where God reveals himself not as Father God, but as the Godfather. Do you know what I'm saying to you? (laughs) He's going to pop off a few people in chapter 5. It's exciting, but we'll might probably have to save that for next week. Some of you are like, you know, the New Testament God is very different from the Old Testament. Not always. He rolls Old Testament style in chapter 5. Do you know what I'm saying? Those of you from Philly, you know what I'm talking about. All right. But now we're in chapter 4. And, uh, and let's just begin reading here verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. Okay, this is still the continuation of chapter 3. They've been preaching to the people about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as a result of the miracle of this guy who, who, was, who was healed from, from uh, his condition. And so the priests, the captain of the temple guard, the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus. The resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about five thousand. So despite the fact that Peter and John are arrested here for preaching the gospel, about another two thousand believe in their message. Because it says now that the number of believers grew to about 5,000. And when you compare Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it tells us that there are about 3,000 who were saved. And now you get here to this verse, chapter 4, 4. There are 5,000. From 3,000 to 5,000, well, you're smart people, do the math. And so, anyway, a few thousand people get saved here at this scene. But notice who objects. The priests. And they go with the captain of the temple guard. This is like the temple secret service. All right, They had their own. Uh, um, kind of a limited military. Okay, the Roman Empire is the dominating power at the time, and they have to be submissive to the Roman Empire. But this is their own uh, um, limited military here at the temple. They have the temple guard. And so the captain of the temple guard goes and the Sadducees. And for those of you who don't know, those of you who take notes, the Sadducees were a Jewish religious sect You have the Pharisees, you have the Sadducees, you have the Herodians. Those are different sects within the the, the Jewish people. And the Sadducees were known for not believing in a lot of things. And three things they primarily did not believe in were angels, miracles, and resurrection from the dead. And you all know that that's how you remember their name because if you don't believe any of that, it's very sad, you see. You don't believe in angels, miracles, and resurrection from the dead. How sad is that? What do you believe? But these are the Sadducees here. And, and, and so they're especially ticked off because they don't believe in the resurrection from the dead. And what is it that Peter and John are preaching? They're preaching the resurrection from the dead here. Uh, they're preaching the fact that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. And now they're preaching the resurrection from the dead, which is a hope for the church. Again, for those of you taking notes, jot it down. The resurrection from the dead is central to the gospel. You cannot preach the message of salvation without talking about the resurrection. Because it is about the resurrection of Jesus, and therefore, because he rose, we also will rise from the dead. Jesus said in John 14, 19, because I live, you also will live. This is not just the resurrection of Jesus exclusively, This is the resurrection of Jesus that Paul says is the first fruits of those who are to come. In other words, he is the first risen from the dead in his glorified body. Okay, that's that's to be distinguished. Remember, Jesus raised a couple people from the dead in the New Testament. But they died again. That was a temporary resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead was a permanent resurrection with a glorified body. He is the first of many to come. And therefore, because he rose from the dead, he gives us the hope that we shall follow in like manner where we will have eternal life with him. We get a glorified body with him. We rise from the dead. We will rule and reign with him forever and ever. So that is the hope of the church. Remember in John chapter 11 when Jesus goes to the tomb of his friend Lazarus. And he goes to raise Lazarus from the dead. And in John 11, Jesus said to Martha, uh, uh, Lazarus' sister... Your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know we will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Even the Jews had the hope of the resurrection, but they, they didn't understand yet the connection that the resurrection comes through Messiah. So they're just looking forward to this great day when people will rise from the dead. And Jesus then turns to her and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. So he preaches the resurrection there to Martha and he declares he himself is the resurrection and all who put their faith and hope in him will also rise that there is more to this life than here and now. Folks, this is as bad as it gets for us. For people who don't know the Lord, this life is as good as it gets. If you'll take your Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15... Paul talks a little bit about the resurrection from the dead, and this is important because I want to just emphasize how this is central to the gospel. Gospel just means the good news, and so it's important that we understand. On your way to 1 Corinthians 15, what separates Christianity from all other world religions? The resurrection from the dead. No other world religion makes the claim that their leader rose from the dead. Not Muhammad, not Confucius, not Buddha, Gandhi, all dead, all buried. Only Christianity makes the exclusive claim that Jesus rose from the dead. And because he lives, we also shall live. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, just going to read verses 12 to 22, he says this, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. If only, this is a great verse, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. If we think that living for Christ is only to better our situation in this lifetime, that's miserable. No, he goes on, he says, verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits, there we have it, he's the first of those who have fallen asleep, those who have died, for since death came through a man... The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. Who's he talking about? Adam versus Christ, and then he clarifies it. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. In other words, Adam, the one who originally sinned, passed original sin down through the seed of man so that every single one of us was born into sin. Every single one of us. We've inherited a sin nature from our father Adam. All right? Paul says here, as in Adam all die. As the result of sin, the human race will die. I mean, every single person in the human race will experience death. He says, so in Adam, we all die, but in Christ, we're made all alive. So that through faith in Jesus, now though my flesh will one day die and be buried, my spirit will live forever. And then the, body, then the Bible goes on to say, That there will come a day when we will each get a glorified body that will rise from the dead to be reunited with our spirit so that we shall be like Jesus, having a glorified body that will never perish, never get fat, never wrinkle, never ache. That's the glorified body, and what a great day that will be. And people have asked me sometimes, you know, like, well, what what, what will be the perfect age? You know, like, is, will everybody be a universal age? I don't know. I mean, the Bible doesn't say what the universal age will be. The ancient rabbis said that everybody's going to be basically the age of Adam. Nobody knows what the age of Adam was, but it is believed to be that he's like a 30-year-old man when he's first created. And Jesus, of course, his ministry, you know, 30 to 33, so anyway, who knows? So 30 is the new you forever and ever, Perhaps. Um, back here in Acts chapter 4. So the resurrection from the dead is central to the gospel. Uh, many more get saved. They believe in, in what Peter is, is, and John are preaching. Uh, but Peter and John get arrested because of what they're preaching. And uh, keep reading here verse 5. The next day, they just throw them in prison overnight. They don't really know what to do with them. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law... Okay, you might want to make a note in your margin of your Bible. That's the Sanhedrin. That's the Jewish ruling council. It's kind of like the Supreme Court. There are 70 of them. And so the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas. These are the same Annas and Caiaphas who were a part of condemning Jesus to death. These are the high priests of the day. There was a co rule of the high priest during the day because Annas was the older one who was by right the high priest. Caiaphas was selected by the Romans to be kind of their puppet high priest and he was the son-in-law of Annas and so they both kind of co-led together. In addition to them, it says John, Alexander and the other men of the high priest family, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. See, he's still talking about the resurrection of the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And by the way, we're going to find out that, that, in fact, this guy is standing right there with them. We're going to find out later in the story. So he's probably motioning to, to this guy. He's like, you know, I, we stand before you here because this guy was healed by the power here of, of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Verse 11, he, meaning Jesus, is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone or, or King James says cornerstone, as our church is named after Jesus, okay? He's quoting here, Peter's quoting from Psalm 118, verse 22, which is a messianic passage related to Jesus. And then Peter says this, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Underline that verse in your Bible or highlight it in your electronic Bibles because that is an important verse in all of the Bible. And understand this for those of you who are taking notes. Salvation through Jesus alone is an exclusive claim with an inclusive aim. That kind of has a ring to it, doesn't it? I came up with that today. Don't you like that? Come on, I like that. If nothing else, I like that. Anyway, salvation through Jesus alone is an exclusive claim with an inclusive aim. In other words, what Peter is saying here is this is very exclusive. Alright, he says, salvation is found in no one else. There's no other possible way to be saved. No other possible way to be rescued from your sinful human condition except Jesus. There is no one else. And then he adds, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Please note that. It may not be politically correct. But it is practically true. It is not the name Gandhi, Buddha, Confucius, Muhammad, Elron uh, Hubbard, <laughs> Mary Baker, Eddy, all right. There is only one name by which we must be saved, and that name is what? Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus is the only way to salvation. Now Jesus said it, I wrote these verses down for you. John 14:6, that's where Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me." He made an exclusive claim about himself. I'm the way. He didn't say I'm a way. I'm one path among many. I am the way. Now, I get it. I get this. You go around saying that Jesus is the only way to be saved. People will mock you. They will say that's insulting. Who do you think you are to make such an exclusive claim? People will tell you that. If you haven't already heard it, then you're not going around saying it. People will tell you this. Now, it's interesting to me how people will be quick to say to you that that offends me for you to be so exclusive to say there's only one way to be saved you know let's be open-minded and let's and let's just accept a lot of different ideas and a lot of different paths people are willing to accept that there's only one way if it suits them let me illustrate it i guarantee you that if There was a discovery tomorrow, a pill that cured all cancer. No one would ask, are there other options? No one. Every single person who had cancer would rush to get that one pill, and they wouldn't question it. Because why? They see their need, and they see the way that that need can be met. The only reason why someone finds that the exclusive claims of Christ are narrow-minded and bigoted is because they have not understood their need and therefore they do not accept the way. Until someone gets to the bottom of their own sinful human condition, they will never see their need for Christ. But folks, that's no reason for us to stop proclaiming the one way. I'm just thankful that he made the way. All right? How ridiculous would it be? You remember back, I think it was like 2010, when those the Chilean miners ended up 2,000 feet stuck down mining? below the ground. Remember that? And, and, and they were there for like 60 some days, 60 some days, 2000 feet below ground. All right. Now guarantee you this conversation did not happen. Guarantee you what I'm about to say. So they finally, after 60-some days, bore a hole down 2,000 feet to rescue 33 Chilean miners who were down in the ground there. And they had almost run out of food. They had rationed like a few days of food to help to survive for all those days, okay? And then, and then they finally bore through and they put the camera down and then eventually they send like this, this kind of a can all the way down for the, that a human being can get inside and then they lift each one up and rescue them. Guarantee you, that when they bored through 2,000 feet of ground, not a single Chilean looked up that hole and said, do you know something? (laughs) I don't know about this, I'm kind of offended. (laughs) Is there any other ways? (laughs) No! Of course they didn't ask, is there another ways to this, you know something? No! They took the one way out with joy. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when people look at you and say, you know what, that's so narrow-minded. No, it's not. It's just because you don't understand the need. Because if you understood the need, like the Chilean mines, they understood. We have a great need to be rescued. Oh, they made a way for us. We're going to take this way. No questions asked. And we're going to take it as quickly as we can. Because they understood their need. They understood their condition. They understood their desperation. The only reason why people will say to you that that is narrow-minded and bigoted for you to say that Jesus is the only way. They don't understand their own desperate condition. It is not narrow-minded. It is a free gift to all who would believe and receive. That's what John 1, 12 says. It's another verse I put up there for you. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Okay, it's very inclusive. Yet to all who believed and received, it's not limited. The, The exclusivity is in the claim. But it's very inclusive. It's for all. whoever wants to believe and receive. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. All right? So it's a very inclusive invitation. Revelation 22, 17. One of the, nearly the last verse of the entire Bible. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. So when Peter makes his claim here, Yeah, it is exclusive. It's an exclusive claim. But it has an inclusive aim for as many as would believe and receive. All right? Don't shy away from telling people the truth. Even though you know that their reaction at first might be kind of off-putting, you know, they're like, you know, who do you think you are? Because if you really believe and understand the desperate condition of the human heart, we will be motivated to share the love of Jesus, even though at first some people may not accept it or receive it, until they recognize their own desperate heart and their own desperate condition, don't stop telling people the good news of Jesus. Be exclusive in the claim. But the Bible is wide open to as many as believe and receive, so the invitation is to all. Oh, notion,
1: Jump in and you'll find the cornerstones Your connection run towards your new life Thanks for listening to Cornerstone Connection. What you've heard today is just one message from a series going through the book of Acts. Pastor Gary has provided some insightful information about the early church. And you can't help but be inspired by what you read about as the Christian church was birthed. Who are the people you admire and look to as examples of courage and faith? Is it Peter or maybe James being the first martyr? How about Stephen and the example he set? Or perhaps you're a fan of Aquila and Priscilla, a great model of a couple who followed after Jesus. Then there's the all-famous Apostle Paul, who paved the way for much missionary work to the nations. All of these people were striving to proclaim the good news of the gospel, and we hope your heart is ignited to do the same. You can reach people, too, near and far, in your neighborhood, online, and even those across the world. And if you feel the Lord leading you as He did Paul, you may even find yourself following the Lord to witness in another country. In the meantime, you're welcome to listen to more messages from this series in Acts. You can do so by going to cornerstoneconnection.cc. We're so glad you've tuned in today to Cornerstone Connection.
2: That you've got no place to go, but still you know. But still you know you're not alone.